passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What do you want to do now? What do you see in the future? You've talked about possibly going to heavyweight. You've talked about fighting other light heavyweight contenders. Where, where do you see yourself in the future? You know, right now, I'm just going to... I'm just going to... I'm just going to enjoy this win, go back to the drawing board, and figure out ways to get better. Uh, there's a lot of young talent in the UFC, so many guys coming up, so many guys that are looking unbelievable, and, uh, and that's just going to be such a challenge in itself. So right now, I'm not going to call out anybody. I'm just going to go home, take a shower, and uh, enjoy my team. Hey, everybody, it's John Pollock here with our UFC 235 post show. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Phil Chair Talk momentarily. Uh, the beginning of the show, we had some audio issues. So uh, for the first few fights, I'm just going to run through the results, and then Phil will jump back on. Uh, I made the error, but uh, it's 2.30 in the morning, so I'm not going to be calling Phil at this hour to re-record. But nonetheless, uh, we are just going to pick up here. It was only the first few fights that we had the uh, the audio issue. So uh, let's get into things. UFC 235 going down from the T-Mobile Arena on Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada, headlined by John Jones and Anthony Smith. Uh, this coming off just a few months ago, John Jones fighting Alexander Gustafson at 232, making the very quick turnaround. And... Less drama this time. Uh, we still did have uh, a number of drug tests that were uh, – the results were made public by the Nevada Athletic Commission earlier this week, uh, several of which did show the the abnormal findings of the M3 metabolite that they believe is still uh, a long-term metabolite that is attached to the, the initial ingestion that he had back in 2017 that led to the no contest with Daniel Cormier as well as the fine and suspension. So uh, they don't know how long this is going to continue to show up in his system, but it seems that Nevada is comfortable allowing John Jones to fight while he's being tested. He's uh, going to continue to be tested. He was given a, a one-fight license for this fight with Anthony Smith. So in theory, uh, he will have to go in front of the commission again uh, when his next fight is announced. Um, so I don't know how this fight is going to do pay-per-view-wise. It was an enormous number that John Jones and Alexander Gustafson did back in December, way beyond my expectations. And I think part of that was the rematch with Gustafson, John Jones being back. I think some some of that should be attributed to Cyborg, who has been able to, to showcase an ability to draw on pay-per-view in the past. And I think all the chaos of that final week of just the fight being moved to California, all of the insanity involving John Jones, I guess in a weird way, it led to a higher demand to see John Jones fight uh, on pay-per-view. I don't know if we're going to see similar numbers here. I would say... Anything over 400,000 buys, and that's kind of where Phil targeted it as well. I would say anything above that is a pretty 
it's above what, what I'm pegging it at. I would say 400 is kind of what I'm going into this expecting for this card. Uh, so we had John Anik, Joe Rogan, and Dominic Cruz on the call. And at the beginning of the show, when John Anik, of course, has to give us the update on what are the rules of the sport tonight, uh, we're in Nevada. And typically, it is one of two sets of rules, the old rules or the new unified rules, which are kind of like the ununified rules. Well, now we have a third option, and that's Nevada, because they have now adopted the new rules, except for the rule as it pertains to what constitutes a grounded opponent. Plus, they can use replay at any time during the fight. It does not have to be a fight-ending sequence, and... You can continue a fight after using instant replay. So would any of those come into play tonight? I mean, what are the odds, right? The night that they introduce these new rule sets for Nevada, would they come into play? Of course. Fight pass. Hannah Cyphers took on Poliana Viana, and Hannah Cyphers won this fight by split decision, 29-28, uh, Twice for Cyphers, one scoring at 29-28 for Viana, which is how I scored this fight. I had the first round going to Cyphers, and then the second and third I had for Viana. And I think ultimately this came down to the second round. Viana landed with a left hook, but then pulled a guard, and it was Viana working off her back for the whole ra- whole round. And when they did show the stats afterwards, they did um, favor Cyphers. So I-, I can see Hannah Cyphers winning. And she got the split decision victory and improves to 9-3 and three in the women's strawweight division. Macy Chason, coming down from featherweight, took on Gina Mazzani in the women's bantamweight division. This was a very quick one. Uh, Mazzani had said earlier in the week she compared Chason to a giraffe that she had to fight. Uh, Chason, as I said, uh, a very big for the bantamweight division and a big favorite in this fight as well. Minus 500 favorite. And she came in swarms Mizani with strikes to the face after breaking through the clinch, drops Mizani and finishes her with strikes. And it started with a left to the chin and ended with a right hand dropping Mizani. And the finish came by TKO, 149 of the first round. Chasson improves to 5-0 and and indicated she's going to be sticking around in the bantamweight division after making weight, coming down from 145. And kind of gives you a sense of where, you know, someone like a Macy Chasson looks at featherweight in the current landscape of the UFC. She probably would not be that far off from fighting for a title because it's a bare division. And the fact she is coming down to bantamweight, I think that kind of tells you what the attitude is amongst the female fighters of what what the future of that featherweight division is. I think that no one knows if Amanda Nunez is going to defend that title, what's going to happen. And it seems like you know, the the few women that can fight at featherweight, well, you have someone like Macy Chasson who's migrating down to bantamweight. And then Fight Pass concluded with Edmund Shabazian defeating uh, Charles Bird in 38 seconds. Bird shot in for a takedown, and uh, Shabazian just nailed him in the side of the head with elbow strikes and sent him down, finished him with punches. Shabazian undefeated now 9-0 and after this win he's only 21 years of age and is managed by Ronda Rousey had Edmund Tarverdian in his corner and credited Travis Brown with those elbows to the side of the head uh, so that was the fight pass card few quick finishes and you had the decision uh, with Poliana uh, Viana losing to Hannah Sh- uh, Cyphers on to the main card and or sorry on to the televised prelims and Phil will be reconnecting with us uh at the end of this fight discussion. Uh Diego Sanchez versus Mickey Gall. Uh 
I did terrible on my picks for this for this particular show, and this was one of them. I thought this was going to be a rather routine victory for Mickey Gall and Diego Sanchez. Man, did he! Um, man, he just outworked Mickey Gall. Uh, ate some big shots early from Gall, but then Sanchez got a takedown, then he got another one, and he was just able to maintain that grip around his waist, and Sanchez turned the round in his favor, winning the first round, and then in the second, Gall nailed him with a left hook, and then Sanchez hit him with this knee, flush to the head, and Mickey Gall goes down, he was exhausted, and Sanchez just smothered him, he worked to mount, he was in side control, went back to mount, and finished him with strikes at 413 of the second round, Diego Sanchez winning back-to-back fights after the win over uh, Craig White back at UFC 228 in September last year, so Diego Sanchez, what what a great victory for him, and Mickey Gall, uh, certainly... um, this is a setback for him, losing to Diego Sanchez. Uh, but this is the first stoppage victory for Diego Sanchez since when, Phil, as you rejoin us for the duration of the post show. Yeah, uh, very exciting. His first victory, uh, his first finish, rather, in 11 years. So last one was in 2008, the Team Forest Team Rampage Ultimate Fighter finale. Uh, so yeah, so a uh, way back that that was the season that Matt Riddle was on. Just to give uh, our pro wrestling audience uh, context, <laughs> when Matt Riddle was on Ultimate Fighter, that was the finale, uh, and that was in Las Vegas as well. So Las Vegas has been good to uh, Diego Sanchez. Um, yeah, very impressive performance for uh, veteran performance uh, here. I mean, that really was the story of the fight: a veteran going against a very green fighter. Not a good performance here by Mickey Gall. He did not look good in this one at no. all. Oh my gosh! He he has since gone on Instagram and he said that he he passed out this week when he was cutting weight. Um, so he obviously didn't have a great cut. I mean, he looks but, huge too. He looks so yeah. massive. Yeah, he he was towering over Diego Sanchez and. Yeah, like this was like his conditioning was like he was he was done in the second round. After that knee, he was um just not holding up well. And I thought this was going to be a pretty routine victory for for Mickey Gall. Um I thought this was like one of the closer um locks of the night. And if anyone looked at my picks that I put up on Saturday, I had as bad a night as Tyron Woodley when it comes to the equivalent. It was not a good night for my picks. It was rough. I got a few right, though, so I can't say it was uh, as as one-sided. But nonetheless, Diego Sanchez afterwards, he was interviewed by Joe Rogan. He explained that he is going to be getting into the anti-aging business when he's done fighting. I don't know what that means. But then he did an interview. uh, I think it was with ESPN, and there's a clip of this. And you just have to watch this clip. He's explaining that everyone thinks he's nuts or he's got CTE, but that's not it. He's different than everybody. And he is able to, I'm paraphrasing, but not by much. He can absorb energy through the thunderstorms outside. Any comment on this? Have you ever been able to absorb energy through a thunderstorm? I've never been able to absorb energy through a thunderstorm. And, I mean, who am I to give Diego Sanchez uh, career advice? It's working for him. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, perhaps 
rather than going into the anti-aging business, he should go into the thunderstorm energy harnessing business. Could be a whole new uh, avenue for, for Diego Sanchez after. I just, I'm glad that MMA includes personalities like Diego Sanchez. To, to me, still my all-time favorite entrance of all time is Diego coming out, holding up that cross as he's about to fight Jake Ellenberger. Just the greatest thing I've ever seen in a MMA setting. I, I, and uh, your your audience will definitely be familiar with his famous yes chance. Oh, of course. And uh, I, I mean, it was looking pretty grim for him, uh, for, uh, but he's managed to get a couple wins in a row. So, you know, good on him. Yeah, one has won two in a row now. So we'll continue to fight. Cody Stamen versus Alejandro Perez. Uh, they went three rounds here. Uh, first round, very close. Perez was blocking takedowns and was able to land a combination onto Stamen. Very close round. Second round, Stamen putting a lot of pressure on him, relying on, on a lot of front kicks. And then into the third, Perez lifted and dumped Stamen down for the first takedown of the fight. But then uh, Stamen was able to take him down against the fence. They get stood up, and Stamen was landing right hands uh, towards the end. Uh, I scored this 29-28 for Stamen. It was a relatively close fight, but how did you uh, see this fight going? Uh, so I scored it 29-28 uh, for Perez. I gave him the first round and the third round. Uh, it was pretty close, though. Like. It, it's, it was sort of a weird fight. It, it felt like Stamen was just the one being the aggressor most of the time. But yeah. in the first round, it was just so close. I think the difference was I remember Perez landed a really good uh, two-punch combo, one to the body, yes. one upstairs. And that was what gave him the round to me. But if you looked at the stats at the end of the fight, Stamen clearly out uh, landed Perez, so I wasn't really bothered by the decision. Yeah, it was a very close fight. So uh, Cody Stamen improves to eighteen and two with the win in the bantamweight division. Uh, this was an interesting fight going in. Misha Serkinov versus Johnny Walker. Uh, Johnny Walker had just fought a month ago to the day uh, where he beat Justin Ledet in fifteen seconds. So he had this quick turnaround against, I would say, a, le a legitimate guy in Misha Serkinov. He's had some some very good fights in the UFC. Johnny Walker comes out. He's fainting, and boom, lands a flying knee, drops Serkinov, and finishes him in 36 seconds. This was unbelievable. Yeah, spectacular. I mean, for somebody to keep hitting flying knees on people, uh, keep knocking out top fighters, in, uh, and I mean, especially Serkinov, somebody who's been against the top fighters, uh, able to finish these fights so quickly and and yeah the feints like he, he, his hips and his feet and his hands are just moving so subtly that it's really just throwing you off that it feels like the strikes can come from anywhere and they do so the major takeaway from this fight not only does johnny walker get another victory uh, but then he goes to do the worm afterwards and dislocates his shoulder. At least that's what he claimed he had done to himself. He could not move his arm afterwards because he's lying down on the canvas. And I had not seen this. And we just hear John Anik casually mention, I think he may have hurt himself celebrating. And, and thus the weirdness began on this card. So Johnny Walker explains to Joe Rogan, 
Rogan's like trying to get it out of him. He's like, did you, did you dislocate your shoulder? And he just kind of smiles and is like, yep, I, I think I dislocated my shoulder. So, uh, injury pending. Um, man, this guy's going to be just, flung into a huge fight at light heavyweight. I I think it's him and Tiago Santos to me are very much like in contention to be like one fight, if not the next challenger for John Jones, if he just wants to have a quick turnaround. Like that's how high I think Johnny Walker is at this point in this division. There's definitely going to be a lot of hype surrounding him. Uh, just uh, to give you an update on the injury, he did uh, tweet that uh, he's all better now. Uh, this is from the hospital and he'll just be out for five to 10 days uh, before okay. he can resume training. And he wants to get on the March 16th card. The March 16th card. It's March 3rd. That's, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's in two weeks. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, you know, he was short work, right? You know, uh, what's the March 16th card? That's, that's in London, England. Oh, that's the Darren Till, uh, card. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking at it right now. Uh, Saperbeck Safarov, a light heavyweight, is without an opponent. Oh, so my. Wow. There actually is an opening uh, where he could be on the ESPN Plus prelims. Well, I would. I think he's, I think, I think he's a little higher than I think like, they honestly, might promote the fight then, right? Yeah. Uh, Vulcan Ozdemir is fighting Dominic Reyes on that card, too. I would say this guy is like right at their level now. Yeah, yeah. Like, those are the guys he should be fighting. I mean, but. he definitely needs a a bigger name opponent next. Um Yeah. Uh, and I think we need to see, like, you know, he has had a, a length. It's not like this guy has just had a handful of fights in his career. He's had a lot of fights. But I think against this level of competition, you want to see him go into deeper waters and, you know, and just see what this guy does, you know, when, when you're getting into the third round with, like, a tough wrestler um, and see w- what this guy is going to be like against more difficult competition. Although the the hype is going to be enormous coming out of tonight for this guy. Yeah, definitely. People are going to want to see him again. They're going to want to see him soon. I think it's okay to even give him other unranked guys. I mean, we do want to see him against better competition, but he's got a lot of potential that I almost feel like you still need to just continue building him up. And then headlining the prelims was uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov against Jeremy Stevens. Uh, first round featured, uh, I thought Jeremy Stevens putting a lot of pressure on him, uh, but Zabit, his, his speed is really something to watch for a guy that is as, as big and lanky as Magomed Sharapov is. He's, he's six foot one and a half and he just moves around like he's a featherweight. Um, just it, it well, he is a featherweight. I should have used uh, flyweight as my comparison point, but um, yeah. So he lands a spinning kick in the first round, and then he jumps off the fence, almost trying like a Showtime kick that uh, he comes up empty with. But nonetheless, getting some style points early. A lot of the same in the second, but uh, a much more dominant round from Zabit as he just takes him down, mounts him from behind, and just controls him for the rest of the round. And the third, I thought, was Jeremy Stevens' best round. He starts landing his best strikes of the fight. Uh, there's this combination right near the end as uh, he goes for the takedown. So I had this 29-28 for uh, Magomed Sharapov. Did you have a similar score? I had it uh, 29-27. I actually gave uh, round two 10-8 to Zabit. 
I can see that. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, very. I, I didn't know you were allowed to score ten eight rounds on the on this particular <laughs> card. We'll get to that. I thought those were banned. Apparently, apparently, yeah. Glad to see someone is still incorporating ten eights. <laughs> well, when there's two point deductions, you have to give eight points in the round, right? I, I'm talking about our our welterweight title fight that is to come. That, yeah. uh, that there was a t- one judge said there was no ten eight round in that entire fight. Yeah, that's pretty. I'm still trying to piece that one together, uh-huh. uh, but. Uh, d- Tell me about your your prognosis for Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Is this uh, yeah great you know. great footwork, uh, dynamic attacks, exciting like uh, was was really doing a great job of counter striking and just sort of baiting uh, Stevens to come in and land shots on him. He was changing stances and hitting him from a lot of different angles. Stevens was missing a lot, uh, and then whenever Stevens would land, Zabit would actually kind of bite down on the mouthpiece and engage for a little bit and make sure that uh, Stevens knew that he could fire that way if he wanted to as well. Um, The only thing to note is that Stevens came on pretty strong at the end of this fight, and this is sort of the second time that we've seen Zabit kind of fade in in a fight. So um, I'm not entirely sure how he would handle a five-round fight. Uh, I, I think I'd I'd like to see him in there maybe with uh, Frankie Edgar or Jose Aldo next. I, I like some of those uh, pairings. Absolutely. Going on to the pay-per-view, Cody Garbrandt versus Pedro Munoz. Uh, interesting fight here at Bantamweight with Cody Garbrandt coming off the two losses to TJ Dillashaw and Munoz having won six of his last seven fights. And Munoz immediately goes for a leg lock, but loses it, and then hits a uh, spinning back kick and overhand right. Munoz then threw a head kick, and Cody is, like, pointing to his head to Mark Goddard as though he's been hit with a headbutt. But the fight continues. So Cody gets up, and he nails Munoz with a flying knee. And then Garbrandt had a moment where he decided, whatever strategy I have, it is out the window and he just unloaded everything he is throwing bombs he hits another knee he is throwing everything and Munoz is just absorbing all of it and then Munoz gets his bearings and he pops Garbrandt with this right hand drops Garbrandt and Munoz finishes him with strikes with eight seconds to go in the first round a game plan that Joe Rogan's uh, jaw was on the floor as he was trying to process what Cody Garbrandt had done. Um, had it worked, it would have been, wow, what an exciting performance. Cody Garbrandt gets back into the win column. When it doesn't work, uh, you have three losses in a row. And I think a lot of people were questioning, man, this was a terrible decision by Cody Garbrandt. And he came out on the losing end of things. And it was, you know, a guy that just a hundred percent emotion for this the last minute of this fight and it ended up costing him the fight he just you know it just was who's gonna land first or land hardest and it was pedro munoz yeah it was it was kind of disappointing uh garbrandt garbrandt started the fight uh moving very well really good footwork uh precision striking and uh yeah uh, munoz was being aggressive but uh garbrandt was doing fine and then I guess he landed like one big shot and he just had – I think he ate a, a big shot and then kind of came back with his own. And when he landed and felt like he hurt 
uh, Munoz, he just went all in on that. And I mean, he just sort of like just sat down, both of them just kind of sat down and cocked back on their shots, like one after the other. It was, uh, it was, it was kind of reminiscent of, uh, the fight from the last pay-per-view we, uh, talked about between, um, oh my gosh, uh, Japanese fighter, uh, that was sort of like a round of the year contender. Um, I forget his name right now. Um, UFC 234. But, uh, yeah, it was just an exceptional, uh, round. Uh, I mean, and yeah, Garbrandt really only has himself to blame for it because it was the worst strategy. Uh, I'm thinking of Teruto Ishihara versus Kyungho Kang. That was the yes. fight. Yes. That was a great fight. Yeah. Yeah, very, very similar. Um, they just let their hands fly here. And, you know, Pedro Munoz has now won seven of eight. And, you know, this is a guy that was uh, coming into this. He was ranked number nine. And he t- he dusts off Cody Garbrandt, who was ranked second. Um, this is going to be great for Munoz. And, man, for Garbrandt, it's a setback in a division that is kind of on hold at the moment anyway when, you- when you've got – TJ Dillashaw as the bantamweight champion and not knowing what's happening there. Um, yeah, it's, it's several steps back. I'd say for Cody Garbrandt of, you know, if he has aspirations of fighting for the bantamweight title again, it's that much longer of a road after tonight. And I would say Pedro Munoz, it, it's still a very clogged up division at the top end because I don't think this, this is not going to generate a title fight for Pedro Munoz. He is going to be still in the, the waiting area. Yeah, it's uh it's a bit unfortunate there is so many uh contenders uh in the wings uh at Bantamweight. Uh and for Cody, yeah, it's it's going to be really tough. I mean, he's still very young, but I I just feel like he really needs to address this issue because this is exactly what happened in the second TJ fight. He just sort of bit down on his mouthpiece and just started firing believing he was going to get the KO and then he gets clipped and you're not going to have a long career if you keep relying on this sort of uh, Russian roulette style of fighting. Um, so maybe uh, take some time off and uh, I'll step down in competition is what uh, Garbrandt needs right now. Tisha Torres took on Weili Zhang in women's strawweight action. Zhang is uh, eighteen and one uh, coming into this. She lost her debut fight and then has won eighteen in a row since uh, against a very very tough competitor. I would say in Tisha Torres. Um, this was a fairly close fight. I had the first round going to Tisha Torres uh, just slightly, and then the second round, Zhang was able to take her down with like this headlock applied, and then Torres ended up in Zhang's guard and. Uh, so I had it even going into the third round, and the third was a pretty strong round for Zhang, who got the trip takedown into half guard and just controlled her on top for the duration, landing shots to the body. So I had it 29-28 for Zhang, and the judges scored it 30-27 twice, and one having it 29-28. Uh, I had it 30-27. Um, I definitely could see a case for Torres getting the first round, but uh, Zhang just had really great technique, really good precision, uh, accurate striking, active striking, just stayed busy, uh, working in combinations, good footwork. Very impressed uh, by her. I I mean, Tisha Torres had a good fight as well. She came prepared, 
and brought it. And I just feel now that uh, Zhang is ready for anyone in the division. Yeah, and afterwards, she, after constantly hearing her name being referred to as uh, Wiley Zhang, she informed Joe Rogan, my name is Whaley, not Wiley. Okay. Noted. So that is the update. That's how she ended her interview. Then we got into the fun stuff. Robbie Lawler versus Ben Askren. Ben Askren, he's had a, a long career, 18-0, and 0, finally making it now to the UFC. There was the, the famous line from Dana White years ago, when Ambien wants to sleep, it takes Ben Askren. And here he is, now coming to the UFC. And no one was sleeping through this fight. This was Robbie Lawler's 20th UFC fight and had missed all of 2018. He had last fought um, RDA back in December of 2017, uh, coming off that decision loss. And Ben Askren coming out of retirement since fighting uh, Shinya Aoki for uh, one championship. So this fight begins with Askren going for the takedown. And Robbie Lawler had clearly drilled like the most insane counter possible for these takedowns because he lifts up Askren onto his shoulders, twists his hips, and drops him. Like this is as close to an angle slam as you are ever going to see in an MMA fight. He just drops him, and then Lawler is on top, and he just destroys Ben Askren with strikes. Ben Askren is all bloody. And amazingly, Ben Askren survived this. I thought the fight was going to be stopped, Phil. Yeah, it looked pretty bad because there's a moment where as – so after Ben got sort of dropped on his head and he's turning, he's sort of trapping his own arm underneath himself. And that's when uh, Robbie really hits him with a really clean shot. So it, So Ben's head just like snaps back. And it looks like he's almost out, but it's because his hand is trapped. And finally, when he was able to get his hand back, he was able to get back to the wrestling. And it it did look pretty grim there for a second. So Ben is able to get Lawler against the fence and, you know, just kind of recover after eating all these strikes. He's got he's bleeding all over the place. And Joe Rogan with the 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 darkest shade of the night says you know, we've seen Ben Askren do this to guys like Douglas Lima and Andre Koreshkov, but can he do it to a former UFC champion like Robbie Lawler? What a what a comment there for Bellator's finest. <laughs> Askren then gets to Lawler's back, and Lawler goes to lift him again with the with the same slam, but this time Askren's ready, and he goes for a bulldog choke. And Herb Dean is looking, and Lawler's arm goes down. His right arm goes down, and Herb Dean calls off the fight. But Lawler's head pops right out, and he's completely fine. I think that he feels he was the victim of a bullshit choke and not a bulldog choke. And Ben Askren is your winner. 320 of the first round. The whole place is booing. Uh, This was like... The most Ben Askren way to win his UFC debut. I actually think like this guy is just going to run with this as this enormous accomplishment. But yeah, there was just a I just brought up the fact we can go to instant replay now. That was established. That was not used here. And second, um, I know that the referees, they are not allowed to be interviewed unless the commission gives them 
gives them permission. But this was screaming for an interview with Herb Dean to at least explain maybe something that we didn't get to hear or something that we couldn't see from our vantage point that Herb Dean did. Instead, everyone was just furious at this finish and just assumed that Herb Dean made the wrong call, Um, which I'm not saying he didn't. I mean, it looked like it was just a a premature stoppage, but I would have liked to have heard from the referee that made this call. Yeah, it it, it looked – the weird part was – Robbie's hand dropped to the ground, yes. so it went limp. So it's like, okay, is this guy out is your question, or he looks out. So so Herb goes over to grab the, you know, test the arm, you know, wrestling style, where you just pick it up and drop it, and he did that, and Robbie responded. It's not like his hand dropped to the mat uh, right away, but then – Herb, He's got to do the Hulk Hogan and wave yeah, the yeah, finger. He, yeah, he almost hulked up. and But Herb stopped it anyway. So it was like Herb was just sort of like – it's almost like he decided he was going to stop it regardless. Like I, I kind of get where Herb was coming from on this. Like I, it was the wrong call, but I could see how he would think that he was out. Yeah, there's a, you know, this was the complete opposite of Sam Alvey a few weeks ago who just lost his mind on Mark Goddard. But Robbie Lawler could not have been more like just, yeah, I'm I'm okay, I'm fine. But um, man, he uh, it, it just was unfortunate. Like this was turning into a great fight. Yeah, it was turning into a great fight. I mean, he. Robbie clearly heard him with those shots, but it looked like Ben had recovered and uh, Ben was definitely turning it into the type of fight he needed it to be. I mean, it was a wrestling fight match. It seemed like is what was going on. Uh, But yeah, it was pretty uh, exhilarating uh, from that slam going forward. Is this the kind of fight that you take a Ben Askren and, I mean, do you do you go for like a higher ranked opponent after this if you're the UFC matchmakers, or do you run this back? I mean, what what do you, what do you do with Ben Askren? Like, do you treat this as a victory and you just because that's the UFC's typical mo is that even in a controversial scenario, you just move move forward. It's very rare they go back and and rematch two guys. Yeah, I'm. I think you move forward. I think you treat it as a win. I mean, he didn't get finished. He then put himself in this submission position and he got the ref to stop the fight. So uh, you treat it like a win. Um, you know, unfortunate for Robbie Lawler. Um, but yeah, I think you, I don't know necessarily say you put him against somebody higher because I'm not even sure how many people higher you can really put him. Robbie Lawler is a tremendous victory. Um, he's already come out and said uh, he wants the winner of Masvidal versus Till coming up i think that makes perfect sense i think you just need to give him continue to give him guys in the top 10 to just build him up and see if he can beat all of them yeah masvidal till that winner would make a lot of sense i think i'd also kind of like to see ben askren and and stephen thompson just because i think the the styles clash would be uh, of just the two personalities would be a lot of fun as well well i think i think there's a certain marty 
that we we made. well it, ben should absolutely be shooting for the moon there because i don't think he's going to be i don't i don't think kamaru usman's looking at an immediate rematch after tonight well with his opponent i mean if if, if kamaru now a champion spoiler alert uh is going to try to maximize you know his paychecks i think ben Askren is the person who can do that there's certainly the argument for it. I mean, people will be outraged if Ben Askren were able to to leap uh, people here. I well, well, we'll get into it in this this next fight where I see this uh, welterweight picture going. But uh, that's our first of two title fights: Tyron Woodley defending against Kamaru Usman, and I, I don't even know how to properly describe what we watched here. You know, the first round, you see Woodley be you know it's it's Woodley like he is not going to come out and be. Um, you know, he was just being very calm in the first round. He's being held against the fence and he seemed to just be kind of, you know, feeling out Usman. But, uh, Usman landed this right hand and Woodley's just defending the takedown and Woodley is being attacked in the body and it ends up being a pretty strong round for Usman. And I'm thinking, well, Woodley's going to come out here in the second round and this is going to be much more competitive. And that never happened. Each round ended and it was just domination from Kamaru Usman. In the second round, he mounts Woodley. He just compl- and he's attacking him with big big strikes. Um into the third, he starts the fight or starts the third round with 19 unanswered body strikes. And these body shots that he was landing throughout the the fight were unbelievable. Um except for Mark Goddard who separated them at one point after Usman was just delivering these body shots and instructing Usman that this is a fight, and yes, this is a fight. It's a very one-sided one at this moment. The fourth round, uh, Woodley goes for a guillotine but just loses it, so as a result, he ends up on his back, and it's more. It's it's Usman getting him back up to his feet where he did a lot of damage, landing these uppercuts, elbows, and throwing these wild shots. It was the closest he came to finishing Woodley, and then in the fifth, it was more of this same game plan from Kamaru Usman. I had... One, two, three, ten, eight rounds in this fight. Uh, so I had it 50-42 for Kamaru Usman. A complete obliteration of Tyron Woodley. I was stunned. I was stunned at more so Tyron Woodley than even how great Kamaru Usman's performance was. Yeah, I agree. I scored it uh, 50-43 uh, with two 10-8 rounds, uh, being the second and the fourth. And yeah, uh Tyron just really came with nothing, just no energy, no sense of urgency. It was uh, shocking. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Pretty impressive that Usman was able to land some pretty uh, nice takedowns. Tyron has a great history of uh, incredible takedown defense. But uh, even with good takedown defense at points in this fight, it didn't matter. It was just complete control by Usman. Woodley just didn't get anything off the ground whatsoever. I think maybe he landed one right. Uh, yes, there was one. There was one significant right hand that he landed. That was. Um, but man, they they put this stat up in the fourth round, and it was control time, and it was four rounds, zero seconds of control time by Tyron Woodley. Um, I was just, I was really shocked at the. At Woodley and just he just had nothing in this fight and afterwards 
he didn't come up with anything. He didn't say he was injured. He said, I was ready for this fight. I have no excuses. I hope we can run it back. And uh, Usman had his daughter in the cage as he was presented with the title and was very respectful towards Woodley. And Colby Covington was in the crowd as well, holding his interim title. And I think that is where they are going to go. I think it'll be Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington, and I think Ben Askren is still going to have to win one or two more fights. You know, if they weren't so close, I would say that Askren and Woodley would make a lot of sense to make out of this. But to be honest, Phil, watching this performance, this it reminded me of when Ben, ben Askren just demoralized Andre Koroshkov and Koroshkov did come back from that. But this is the kind of performance you watch and you wonder if the guy is ever even going to be the same from this. This was such a one-sided beating. It, it was a pretty dominant uh, performance and it's definitely going to – you do question how uh, Woodley could come back from this. The one thing though was where the real domination happened was especially when uh, Usman was able to get this fight to the ground and I'm not convinced that you're going to have too many – welterweights who are going to be able to uh take woodley down but uh nonetheless uh yeah just a a real head scratching performance from woodley that does leave a lot of questions uh about where he can go from here because uh, the idea of a rematch seems preposterous no i mean Listen, we we've seen the example with with Stipe Miocic that you know he did not have the closest of relationships with the UFC, and and he's found himself kind of you know just here's a number, wait in line, and we'll see if we'll get around to a title rematch. I would not, I would I would say regardless, I I don't think you can come back with a rematch with this anytime soon. Like I think Woodley would have to come out and really go on a run to erase this performance from people's memory because this is not a rematch you can bring back anytime soon, in my opinion. Totally agree. Main event time, John Jones, Anthony Smith for the UFC light heavyweight title as John Jones defending his title for the second time in Las Vegas. Herb Dean is back. He is the referee for this main event. And Jones comes out. And he's going for the body. He lands a spinning back kick and a side kick. Um, Anthony Smith got adventurous in this opening round. He did throw a head kick that Jones was pretty much able to catch. But nonetheless, Smith um, kind of unloading his arsenal early on. Uh, Jones wins the first round. Second round, he's throwing spinning elbows. Smith is able to land a great right hand and actually cuts Jones. And they exchange right hands. Still a Jones round. Into the third, it's Jones clinching. He gets the takedown and just smothers him against the cage. At one point, he was even kneeing the shins of Anthony Smith, which just sounds awful. And then we had the drama of the fourth round. Early in the fourth, Jones has Smith down, and he goes to kick him while he's down, and he hits the arm. So it's not an illegal shot to a downed opponent because he hits the arm, even though the intent may have been there. So... The fight continues, and Jones is dominating this fight. Smith's nose has just exploded on his face. Jones is kneeing him in the ribs, and then with Smith down against the cage, Jones lands an illegal knee. This one is pretty clear. Everyone's trying to figure out, wait a minute, what state are we in? What rules are this? And they show the replay. It's an illegal knee, 
and Herb Dean makes the decision to deduct two points from John Jones. And they go first they go to Smith and they ask him if he's okay to continue. Had he not, um, Herb Dean would have had the option of disqualifying John Jones, and he did not. And in the case of a disqualification, the title would have changed hands, and Anthony Smith would have become champion. Now, I don't know if he was aware of that, um, and that'd be a pretty crappy way to win a title, especially Jones was so far ahead um, in this round. Uh, But the fight does continue, but this was... um, Man, this would have been the ultimate way for John Jones to lose his title in this situation, where he's way ahead on points and he lands an illegal knee. It, like Anthony Smith could have won this title by disqualification, which is mind-boggling to me that this actually could have happened. Yeah, it, it looked really scary there for a second. Uh, it, it, we were really worried that uh, uh, Anthony Smith. That I mean, at, at first you're just sort of panicking. Like, is it going to be a no contest? Are they going to stop the fight? And then if they stop the fight, yeah, would it be a disqualification? And would Anthony Smith be the champion? That would be really crazy and awful. Uh, so thankfully, uh, that isn't what happened. Yeah, it it gets very confusing if if they had called it a disqualification. Like that, first of all, if if they ruled it an intentional, um, dis, if it was an intentional illegal strike, yes, you could do the disqualification. But if Herb Dean ruled it an accidental foul, which we've seen with many um, shots to a downed opponent. You could have gone to the scorecards, so it would have been a mess. I I don't know what the exact outcome uh, would have been, uh, but those were the options. And Dean did deduct two points, uh, which, as I understand it, if if the referee believes there was an intent, it was done intentionally, you can deduct two points, and that's what he did. So anyway, I thought it was going to be a 10-8 round anyway. It becomes an 8-8 and then Jones, he kind of cruises in the fifth round, uh, just more clinch work. He's stomping on him. By the end of this fight, he's landed over 200 strikes, 82% accuracy, and John Jones wins by unanimous decision on straight scores of 48-44. How did you feel John Jones looked in this fight? I thought he looked uh, fine. I mean, it started off a little bit weird. Uh he Anthony Smith was actually making a miss. It seemed like Jones was like going for some like really big looping shots, and he he just hit air like I want I want to say like three or four times, and then he just I think he just then he settled into his regular rhythm of fighting. Really, after the first round is really when he got into his groove, and he he dominated. Uh, I think he was on his way to a finish, and then. Uh, the foul happened, and I think he maybe just like played it safe. He didn't want to. He didn't want to screw anything up. Not take any more fouls. Not get, you know, potentially get disqualified or anything. So he cruised to uh, a finish at the end. Um, dominating performance. Not terribly impressed uh, by his performance. I know a lot of people are sort of praising Anthony Smith, but I didn't really see him. He didn't really bring anything to the table other than just like. You know, he survived. Like, he didn't really do much other than a couple of shots in the first round. So the whole thing kind of felt like sparring. It it was just like – it just had this lackluster feel. It just felt like he was standing in front of him for a while. Even the previous fight, it it felt like uh, Woodley was in sparring, and that's what – he just couldn't, like, you know, get his mojo or anything. 
So John Jones retains the title, and I, I would say the title picture, there is not that automatic um, next challenger you look at. Certainly, Tiago Santos has kind of put together a good campaign. We mentioned that Ozdemir is going to be fighting Dominic Reyes coming up in two weeks. Uh, Corey Anderson is waiting in the wings. So you have bodies. You have people that you could put against John Jones. Um, I, I guess it's just... We, we seem very far removed from a big fight for John Jones as long as he's committed to light heavyweight. Uh, I, I guess we just have to find out what's happening in this Daniel Cormier slash uh, Brock Lesnar situation. I mean, Brock Lesnar, what he, he's he, after WrestleMania, I'm assuming, is when this could happen, right? I mean, you would know better, right? Well, I would, I would imagine he's probably doing the... The WWE will be doing their, their big card in Saudi Arabia the month after, and I would imagine he will be on that card. I, I'm very hesitant that Brock Lesnar is going to do another fight. I mean, you never say never, but I, I, I am not one that – if you're telling me likely or unlikely, I'm saying unlikely that Brock Lesnar is, do, is doing a fight. Well, it just seems that he's got a lot of – you know, he, he's got a great situation at the moment, and yeah – in the meantime, it seems that Daniel Cormier is on hold until there's an official decision. Okay, well, I mean, I guess if if, if Cormier is in a fight to make, then sure, who cares? Put him up against Santos. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily throw Johnny Walker in there yet. I mean, no. Santos. I mean, I wouldn't throw Santos in there yet. But you know, you don't have great options at light heavyweight. Uh, I mean, there's Corey Anderson. I, I I guess you can just keep booking him on like with sort of like these double title fight uh, events. Um, if you're going to put him against guys who he's just really going to squash. Um, but uh, I'm not going to complain when we get to see John Jones out there, considering how much we haven't seen him over the last few years. All right. Final note from the show. The fight of the night bonus went to Cody Garbrandt and Pedro Munoz. And the performance of the night bonuses went to Johnny Walker and Diego Sanchez. Poor Kamaro Usman. I guess we shouldn't say poor Kamaro Usman. He made out fine tonight, but to me, that that to me was the performance of the night. It, it was it was really tremendous. It's almost inconceivable to think of a, another uh, champion losing in such a dominant fashion. Like, um, I mean, of course, there's finishes in title fights, but uh, I can't recall. Maybe since uh, Kane beat Junior Dos Santos, that uh, a champion has lost in such a dominant way. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was really, uh, really something to watch. All right, uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in for our UFC 235 post show. Uh, the next pay per view is UFC 236, where Phil, we have two interim championships to look forward to. It's a historic occasion, I guess. So we will speak with you then. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. You can go to postwrestling.com. Wei Ting and I will be back on Monday night. And Phil, a thank you as always for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks to uh, the fans for listening. All right. And we will speak with you all later this week. This year, I got back to that. And that's why you're seeing the success. Back to the guy on The Ultimate Fighter absorbing energy from the storm outside in the lightning storm.